0: Welcome to The Huawei, a podcast about all things recruitment and a chance for you to get to know us here at Wow Recruitment a little better. Every month, I, your host Viv Edwin, will have a different guest on here. And together, we will jump into topics all concerning around recruitment. So why not join us on this journey and find your own recruitment happiness? Welcome to another episode of The Huawei. Today, I have Ben Shipley from The Entourage joining me. Ben, thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today.
1: Oh no problems, Viv. Super happy to be here. Uh, always love any interactions that I get to have with uh, with the Wow team. So couldn't be happier to be here, mate. I love to
0: hear that. Uh, so Ben, would you like to tell us a little bit about the Entourage before we start?
1: Uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Um, for anybody that doesn't know the Entourage, you know we've been been around for a little bit over eleven years. We work with entrepreneurs, small business owners, um, predominantly across Australia and New Zealand, but really around the world, you know, really focused on on helping them to, to grow business, to grow their business, but grow it in a way where they don't necessarily have to do everything themselves. You know, there is a bit of a misconception in the world of small business that uh, you can either be financially successful or you can be... Uh, a fulfilled human being that actually has a life. The truth is you can actually have both and you should have both. Um, and so, you know, our mission really is to provide business owners with everything that they need to empower them to build great businesses, but also to live meaningful lives. Excellent. Do that through Excellent. Coaching, workshops, training, all of that sort of stuff to, to make sure that, um, that they've got what they need and, a, and an extensive community of like-minded business owners to, to network with.
0: Perfect. And so your, your title is the director of growth services. So what does that entail for you at, at the entourage?
1: Yeah. So there's really two main parts to the entourage. One is our, our programs for our members, where we teach people how to do things, you know, but there are many things in business that it takes years and years and years to master. Um, And so the other side of the business, which is the part that I'm responsible for um, we take some of those things you know, whether that be a CRM implementation, whether that be building out your brand book and brand guide, you know, those things that take years to master, we take some of those things and we'll actually do it for people, do it mm-hmm. for their business, okay. uh, essentially as a professional services setup. So now I'm going gonna,
0: I'm gonna to throw you one of those questions I'm sure no one's ever asked you. I'm assuming that you love sales. So what got you into sales? <laughs>
1: I do love sales. Um, <laughs> I'm one of those absolute uh, nutcases that, that is crazy about sales. I didn't, you know, I didn't exactly get into it on purpose, I would say. Um, I'm probably like most salespeople that I kind of accidentally ended up in sales. It, it all started for me, wow, it must be, must be 17, 18, 19 years ago now. Wow. Okay. Uh, 19 wow. years ago on the main streets of Melbourne um, as a commission-only, door-to-door salesperson. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to make my way as a, as a 19-year-old, um, going around and harassing people and hoping that they might buy something off me. Yeah. Um, you know, it all sort of started there kind of by accident and, and I really just fell in love with it. I think the thing that... Even in those early days, the thing that I really fell in love with is that, um, you know, there's a real skill to it. I think a lot of people think that you're either a born salesperson or you're not. And the truth is that I've gone through periods of time in my career where I haven't been particularly good at sales. Um, okay. But I've learned. I've learned a process. I've learned a skill that's allowed me to be really, you know, really successful. And, you know, it wasn't until I really understood um the importance of process that my career really kind of took off the importance that you you know you can learn a series of steps to take sales is a skill that you can learn it's a skill that you can master the skill that you can study probably for the rest of your life you know it's built into everything in terms of uh human psychology and the way we make decisions and the way we communicate and interact and it's it's sort of incredibly simple but incredibly complex at the same time
0: yeah i agree with you
1: and you know it's funny
0: because I've always thought about sales and recruitment and there there are two things where I don't think anyone you know wakes up and goes ten years from now this is what I want to do and when they're young they never go this is this, these are the two areas I want to jump in and I've always found that with recruitment as well like it is very rare and I I've never personally come across anyone who's gone you know who I, I remember back in school or you know college who was like you know when I grew up I want to jump into recruitment and sales would be the same and so to me it was always it was always unique in that sense where like, you kind of have to harness all of your abilities and your skills as, as you progress. And I've always seen sales and um, recruitment being very similar to each other in that respect. The other thing I always thought recruitment is basically like a double down on, on the sales process in certain ways where you basically have a candidate who has to you know sell himself and his abilities to a company or a hiring manager and then the second part is the company, you know, has to sell their position back to the candidate to, to end up with like you know a transaction that both of them are sort of happy with. Do you do you agree yeah. that that's a that's a fair assessment of the recruitment sales model?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, um, I think I think it's a really it's a really challenging sort of tightrope to walk sometimes because you don't you know you don't want to oversell. Um, and set the wrong expectations it's like trying to manage that sales side of things with the expectation management side of things so that everyone goes in with their eyes wide open I think is a, is a difficult tightrope to walk and great great recruiters do an amazing job of that you know being real about about the situation about a candidate about the fit um but also you know really making someone feel comfortable with who they're bringing into their organization I think um you know, the, the great one
0: to do that amazing one. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned great recruiters. So you've had a lot of experience in sales. What do you think are the key points that, you know, a really great salesperson has that sets them aside from, you know, everyone else?
1: Um, I think the great salespeople, there's a, there's a few things that I think are really important. Um, I think great salespeople are made rather than born as i kind of alluded to before yeah and what i tend to find is that great salespeople are the people that are really bought into their own development that are really that really take control of their own development um you know they tend to be the sort of people they're not waiting around for their manager to develop them they're not the sort of people that are waiting around to be given a training session or taught what to do they're going out and they're reading taking courses learning for themselves they're generally you know someone with a really sort of student mentality um i also think that they tend to be a little bit of a, you know um, a little bit of a water off a duck's back kind of person you know they they have to be able to to take accountability and ownership for when things aren't going well but they also need to be able to just kind of forget about it you know, um, like, a, like, a, um, like a shooter in basketball, right? They can't remember the last missed shot. They've just got to think about how they're going to make this next one. And so, you know, they tend to be somebody that's, that's quite optimistic and forward-focused focus, rather than looking back on the, the mistakes and the failures of the past. Um, and then I would also say they're usually somebody that is, um, is, highly, is highly empathetic. You know, I tend to find great salespeople can come in all different personality types um, as far as how they go about life and those sorts of things. But, but the really good ones are the ones that really can see um, what things are like for their customers, can, can put themselves in their customer's shoes and understand what it is that they're trying to say, even yep. if they don't verbalize it perfectly, um, so that they can help them find the right solution for them. You know, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people that think great salespeople are, you know, uh aggressive and they close hard and um you know they're tough and they work really hard and they're driven and all of these sorts of things and they're money focused and all that sort of stuff. I, I tend to find that stuff comes and goes. For some people that's true, for some people it's not. Some of the yeah. greatest salespeople I've ever known are introverts who are really quiet, <laughs> right? Uh, but just have a really, a really great level of empathy, um, a great focus on on the future, and you know, having a positive attitude towards the future, believing things will get better, and believing that they can impact that by working on themselves and learning.
0: Yeah, it's always the quiet ones. You always have to watch them. They're always, they're always the ones that surprise you the most. And you know, like going back to what you said about using basketball as an analogy, I've never heard that being used before, and I think it's perfect because you're right. It is a case of you know if you make a mistake, you're not gonna go, oh, I just I just missed the hoop. I'm just gonna ponder on that while everyone runs back and forth around me until I, you know, gather my gather myself to like continue playing.
1: Yeah, it can't it can't stop you from taking the next shot. Yeah. If you're a shooter in basketball, your job is to shoot the ball. You can't yeah. be sitting there doubting yourself that you'll be able to shoot the ball. Same thing for a salesperson, they gotta be able to get into the next conversation and believe that it's going to work. Because yeah. that, you know, with that negative you know, that lack of self-belief, that doubt, it, it comes across in conversations and, you know, the, the customer loses confidence in the situation as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so in your role with, with the Entourage, you've gone from a very sales-centric role and now you've taken on, with your director of growth services, you're, you've actually like dabbled in recruitment yourself. Mm-hmm. How would you say like, you know, when we were talking about great salespeople, What do you think makes good recruiters now that you've got, you know, a little bit of recruitment experience under the belt?
1: Um, Well, (laughs) from a recruitment experience perspective, um, I have done a lot of recruitment over the years. Um, I mean, I went through a period of time where I recruited about 100 roles in the span of about three months when I was in Singapore. That is Um, a lot. I've worked through, you know, some really large recruitment firms. I've worked, I've, I've had an, um, uh, an RPO arrangement with uh, Hudson in the past yeah. I've worked with a lot of recruiters on a lot of roles over the years internal recruiters external recruiters um you know all of that sort of stuff and um you know my experience over the years has been massively mixed yeah <laughs> you know I've had uh I've had some really bad experiences I've had some some times where recruiters that i've worked with have wasted my time and i've had some time where some times where recruiters i've worked with have been worth their absolute weight in gold yeah um not not just saying this because i'm on uh (laughs) but but, you know like a great example of that is um, i met one of the founders of wow a, a few years ago emily you know from the very very first interaction through to recruiting people for us it was an amazing experience, you know, and, and I think it's one of those things, just like with salespeople, just like with anybody in any position in any business, people that are great at what they do, that are specialists in particular areas, um, are worth their weight in gold, you know? Yep. There's going to be people that aren't good at it. It's not what, <laughs> you don't want to throw away the idea of using recruiters because you had a bad experience with a recruiter once, because i tell you what, they've saved me, Hundreds of hours over the years, and and lots and lots of uh, lots and lots of heartache. For that for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree with you more. Honestly, I, I just feel I'm very fortunate to have Emily as my mentor. Like I, <laughs> I just get schooled on different things every day. I come in and like she's just amazing at what she does. So I'm well, not well, you surprised guys, you say that well, at all.
1: Yeah, you guys are a great example of it. But I think of it in terms of like, um, you can have. Am I allowed to swear?
0: I'll I'll let you have one. <laughs>
1: um, you can you can have a shit accountant. Yeah. yeah. Right. That doesn't mean you sh- you should throw away the idea of having an accountant for the rest of your career. Right? Yeah, it's true. Some people are bad at it. it. it you know it can be an absolutely essential part of your business and an essential role and a great opportunity for you. But some people aren't good at it. You have to be you have to be smart enough to move on from the bad ones and try a bunch out.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely.
1: So there's a
0: lot of recruitment experience that you've had over the years. So when you started your journey and you first started dabbling in recruitment, what do you think some of your common misconceptions of how recruitment works were?
1: Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I would say that, um, like, my, my early experience with recruitment was mostly with internal recruitment, um, internal recruiters and internal recruitment departments. And I think that a lot of the, the things that I was either worried about or kind of got the impression of early on was that... Um, Was that it's impossible for anybody that's not me to understand what it is that I'm looking for. Yep. Um, That, um, that I end up, you know, things that I certainly found early on one of my first ever management roles was that I end up spending just as much time as I would have spent if I had recruited it myself and that, and that um, a bunch of good people, would fall through the cracks, and that was my experience with some of my early recruitment interactions. Um, I certainly like that wasn't the wasn't the case for some of those later on. But that you know those were some of the things that I experienced early on, and some of the things that you know maybe stopped me from from using recruiters in some of my um, sort of middle uh, middle years. Uh, roles that I worked on
0: totally agree and so in your process when you first started what do you think some of the biggest mistakes you made were
1: focusing definitely one of the biggest ones was focusing too much on the intricacies of the job um, and not enough on on like really structured understanding of culture you know I think early on in in most people in their management careers they do a lot of talking about the importance of cultural fit but don't really know what that means or how to test for it Um, and so i would really look at things like have they used the specific crm system before have they sold into this particular niche market that i want them to sell into like specifics of the role not enough on culture and then i think i i probably flipped the other way a little bit too far as well which would be you know there's this saying of um you know hire for attitude and and train for skill yeah uh, that i also don't think is true i think i want to do both right particularly if you're in a smaller business we don't like we have to be real with ourselves about how much we will be able to train the skill there's a lot of people that think that you hire for attitude and we can make up for the skill and teach them how to do it yeah and then and then they spend absolutely no time actually teaching the person how to do it the person fails and they're like oh well you know they had a good attitude to start with i wonder what happened and so i think i think you know like being really real with ourselves as hiring managers to go you know am i setting this person up for success If I'm not going to spend the time to develop the skills that they need, then I need to hire for skill as well. And I need to find somebody that can already do what I want to hire them for. And the more technical the role is, the more important that becomes as well.
0: Of course. And now that you're like kind of cognizant with some of the mistakes you made, what do you think was your biggest takeaway from all of that?
1: Um, I'd say probably a little bit of a repeat of what I just said. Like, I think it's really important to be real with ourselves. There's a lot of these sort of like common sense rules that you hear that don't tend to mean anything and tend to lead people in the wrong direction you know the example of hire for higher for attitude and train for skill is, is a really good example of that i think that as a as a hiring manager in any business you just have to be real with yourself about what am i going to do for this person how am i going to onboard them um I think that like recruitment is as much about understanding me as it is understanding the person that I'm hiring, right? Yeah. If I'm if um if I'm somebody as a hiring manager that is not very structured and people are going to have to deal with a fairly ambiguous um, environment, I don't want to hire somebody that needs a lot of structure and a lot of feedback and a lot of um, direction, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that, you know, fit as much comes down to um, what I need as it, as it comes down to who they are, you know. And as a leader, we want to be able to manage different types of people and we want to be able to manage um, people from different backgrounds and with different skills and all of those sort of things. Of course. But we also have to be real that if we don't have the skills to do that, you know, we have to be real about the needs of people. Um, you know, and that example of 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 personality types, you know, if if you've got somebody that um that is is very uh introverted and your entire culture is an extroverted culture where people are going to be put under the pump constantly to jump up in front of people and say things, it might not be a good cultural fit for that person. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we have to know ourselves as much as we know our potential candidates. Yeah, I don't know whether yeah. I did a very good job of explaining what I was trying to talk about there, but <laughs> no, no, it it sounded great. Yeah,
0: you actually did reiterate like your your pre- your previous remarks, and I think I think it came out really well in the end. <laughs> so we were we were talking about you know the takeaways you've had with you know common misconceptions you had with recruitment. What would you say is, has been like the toughest lesson you've learned?
1: Look, I've, I've hired a lot of people over the years. I reckon I, I reckon there's a chance I'm I'm probably somewhere in the three to four hundred realm in terms of number of people I've hired over the years. You know, one of the biggest mistakes is, you know, there's this, there's this whole belief that like um, it's not about you, it's not about your personality. It's not about who you like. It's about who can do the job. I actually don't totally agree with that. Okay. Um, I I think I think that in business generally, a business will slowly over time become a bit of a reflection of the leaders of that business. And I don't think that that really is a bad thing. You know, depending on the size of the business, the bigger the business, the less you want that to be the case, the smaller the business, the more that's just going to be a reality, you know, particularly when it comes to founders of businesses. Yeah. And so, one of the, you know, one of the biggest lessons for me has been it is okay to hire people that you like. Yeah. It is okay. Like that can't be your sole criteria, you know. I think, I think probably on the other side of it, one of the other biggest lessons is like have a plan and have a process in place for how you're going to hire. Yeah. One of the things I like to do, you know, if I'm going to think of recruitment like sales, the way I think of sales is I think of sales in terms of who my perfect prospects are right? Not everybody's going to be a fit for my business. And so I like to create an avatar for and a plan for who my perfect prospect is and work my way back from that to how do I uncover that that makes them the perfect prospect. The same goes for recruitment. I want to have a process for how I'm going to uncover whether they are the right fit for me. But one of those criteria for me is like, can I see myself working 40 to 60 hours a week with this person for the next few years, right? Will will I enjoy that? Will they enjoy it, right? Will they like this culture? Will they like working with me, you know? Because when people love the company and when people love their job, when people feel intrinsically motivated to perform because they're happy in what they do, you get the best results. And a part of that is, like, if you're their boss do they like you do they like working with you and I know that's that's probably not what most people would say they don't have to like you they have to respect you they don't have to like you they just have to get a result <laughs> like you know I'm going to have work-life balance what happens in work doesn't matter outside I don't believe in any of that like I prefer to integrate my life with my work because I'm really passionate about it I want other people that want to do the same and so you know as much as I want to make sure I get the skill fits right and all of those other pieces, if we're not a fit personally, from a personality perspective, we can't see ourselves having a lot of fun. Yeah. Probably not a fit for me. Yeah. But but that's always
0: an interesting point. When people say work-life balance, I think they always think of it as, you know, work X percent and life X percent. But the thing is, if you're really passionate about what you do, they kind of, they're very intrinsic with each other. It's not a this or that situation all the time, you know?
1: Well, especially if, if if you're working on things that you really enjoy, what well, I, I I have to stop doing that in order to go to the beach. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like exactly. if I'm going to be doing this, why wouldn't I just keep doing it? <laughs> yeah, if I'm doing it and I'm having fun doing it, and that you know that won't always be the case. That's that's an ideal scenario, not everybody's going to love what they do every minute of every day. Yeah, but you know, like I want to try and I want to try and. Make what I do and how I do it as much a part of what I enjoy in life and the other things outside of it. Of course. And so, you know, so a part of that is the people that you're surrounded by. They they probably play the the single biggest part in whether you enjoy what you do or not. The people Absolutely. that you're surrounded. By.
0: It's a privilege to be able to be in a situation in a, in like you know a job or a situation where you actually are able to recognize that you enjoy what you do and you are where you need to be. And more than anything, like you said, it's having your tribe around you that that's what makes that huge difference. Right. Looking back, I'm thinking about, you know, some of my first jobs, don't worry about work-life balance. We're just going to do this 20 hours a day. Like, yeah, it just, it just would not work out that way. So, you know, I, I think we're at that fortunate position to actually be in a world and be in a situation where we actually are able to do what we love, with people who we enjoy doing it and you're right it's all about you know that people experience at the end of the day
1: um yeah, people are everything man people are like you know the problem with businesses is that there's people in them but the best thing about businesses is that there's people in them you know yeah. like if everything was just a system if everything was just a process i mean we wouldn't need the people it would all just happen and it would all just be perfect yeah but just not the world you know we have to work with people and that's the best part about it you know people are what make uh the the experiences of life worth worth living and worth being a part of so yeah um don't don't move away from it but i would say don't go too far the other way there's loads of people that are recruiting roles and they don't even realise that the only thing that they're going off is whether they like them or not, <laughs> right? There are <laughs> okay, a yeah, bunch yeah, of sure. like, okay. I like this person and they hire them and they don't work out. If you go all the way that way, you'll, you'll probably fail. If you go all the way the other way and it's just about do they have the technical specifications and capabilities to do the job, you probably also fail. When you bring those two things together, the process of understanding whether this person can do the job Or could potentially in the future do the job with the right onboarding and training? Plus, is this person a great cultural fit, personality fit? Are we going to have fun? Are they going to enjoy what they're doing? Bring those two things together and and magic happens.
0: When we're talking about sales and recruitment, because you've got such varied experience in both, would you say that to start off in either of the industries, like people would essentially need to have similar traits and similar
1: skills? I think there are some things that are pretty common that, you kind of have to have, you know, some of the stuff we talked about earlier in terms of like being resilient and a positive forward-looking things will get better and things will be okay kind of person is really important. Yep. Having the ability to see things from other people's perspective and have empathy is really important. And yep. being along with that student mentality, those are my kind of big must-haves, right? And I I interview for those things, I recruit for those things. Yeah. Uh, But I think that lots of different people, lots of different types of people, personalities, interests, all that sort of stuff, can make it as salespeople. I think every single person in business is in sales. Yeah. So you you better learn to enjoy it at least somewhat. And I I do genuinely believe it is a skill. Some people do certainly have some natural talents that will give them a higher ceiling in terms of their Ability to to sell as a byproduct recruit. So where I was going
0: with that was like, you know, with people jumping either in sales or recruitment, because you've got so much experience in the field. What would mm -hmm. you give somebody stepping into either of those fields as the biggest advice for them to be successful?
1: I always break down training of people into a few different elements. Yep. Right? Um, I always break it down into... You have a process that you need to follow, and that includes your, you know, your company processes, your systems, but also your sales process. I think you have to get obsessed with your sales process, right? And obsessed at being great at it, and obsessed at improving it. You can have training around product. You have to understand your product because your product solves solution solves problems, right? And you need to really understand how it solves the problems. And then you can have training around your customer. And I think that the understanding of your customer, I call it um, situational fluency, right? Understanding and being fluent in the language of your customer, where they are, what they're facing, what they're feeling, what problems they have, what opportunities they have, being, uh, again, obsessed about understanding who your customers are and what they're going through. Yep. is really, really critical. And I think it's probably something that most companies don't do all that much thinking about or training on for new people that come into the business. Yep. Um, I think it is the single most important thing. Um, where are they? Where are they trying to go? What's standing in their way? How do they feel about it? How frustrated might they be by different things that are going on? Like knowing all that stuff and being able to speak their language is, is really critical. Have you ever read Have you ever read um, anything by Aaron Clack? No, I have not. No, not. Sure, yeah. So I mean, there's some stuff in his books that I'm not a massive believer in. I just finished um, with the script, which is very, very good. But he called this this element of situational fluency. He talked about this thing called status alignment, right? Because yep. anybody that anybody that you're speaking to needs to know that anyone they're going to spend time with understands their environment enough that they're going to be able to add value to it. And so if we can't speak their language, we're not going to give them the social cues in the first few moments of our conversation that allow them to go, bing, lights on, this is a person that I can get value from and somebody worth speaking to. You know, I'll give you an example of this, right? If you're talking to somebody in the healthcare industry, right, and you talk about their customers as customers instead of patients right you'll immediately lose them it's not the terminology that they use you don't understand their world and so understanding their world and having the fluency in their language and their situation to be able to have that status alignment I think is is really important and so I would say for anybody that's in recruitment or in sales learn your customer and so you know in the wow recruitment scenario where you guys spend a lot of time with sales and marketing roles yep. understanding the world of sales directors marketing directors what problems they face all their frustrations all that sort of stuff that's the critical piece for you guys yeah being able to help them
0: so going back you're saying with entourage it's been an 11 year journey and this has taken you all around the world and you know we've talked about innovativeness sales process training what does the future hold for
1: entourage <laughs> it's a big future. We're right in the middle of kind of building it. To be honest, you know, we've been so focused on on teaching uh, our members over the last eleven years how to how to do things, how to do the essential parts, the essential things in a business to help them grow and to help them, you know, not become in person dependent and end up working eighty hours a week and do all that sort of stuff. But you know, one of the key one of the key drivers of the next few years for us really is in this growth services division that um, i'm responsible for which you know is is doing things for people it's a professional services arm and so where somebody wants to implement a crm it's finding the right partners that can help them to do that helping them manage communications in the project uh, in order to deliver that and get a great outcome i mean i don't know how much experience you've ever you've had with um, with using external agencies, external partners to deliver on projects, it can yep. be a freaking nightmare. It <laughs> can be a nightmare to, to, to just identify who is good and who is not, Yeah. but then actually go through the process of delivering on a project, for especially for small business owners. It, 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 it's a really challenging thing to do. And so, you know, our, our focus, a big portion of our focus um, and certainly The entirety of my focus for the next few years is really on how do we help people take big, significant steps in the growth of their business, build great foundations using technology and staffing solutions and all of these different things, um, you know, that they probably, they might need to spend six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years on their own education if they want to be able to do it really well for themselves. We can look forward on some of those projects.
0: That sounds really really you've got like a lot on your hands and it sounds like
1: i get to spend a lot of time with with our community you know yeah. on the things that i really enjoy particularly around sales you know helping people build really elegant structured powerful sales processes you know um Uh, funnels and revenue generation channels you know that's all the stuff that I'm great at and the stuff that I really enjoy and I do that with way more people now before
0: I let you go to people who don't know Ben and me like we're both big comic nerds we're both guitarists (laughs) and we're both cat people
1: oh I wouldn't I wouldn't describe myself if you heard me play the guitar you wouldn't describe me as a guitarist that I, I i called you a cat person and and the one thing out of, out of being a
0: comic lover a cat lover and a guitarist the only thing you picked out that you don't want to be labeled as is a guitarist <laughs> so quick ones so i'll give you i'll give hmm. you i'll give you two really quick questions and this is totally yeah. like dc marvel related um would you go superman or batman
1: um, neither okay i'm not as much of a dc guy uh, I did like all I did like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, but I didn't get massively into either of the comics growing up. Yeah, much more of a Marvel guy, and quite specifically an X Men guy. Okay, um, Gambit being my all time favorite uh, X person. X person, um, that's right. But I, oh, you yeah. know, I grew up on the comics and the and the cartoon. And it, it's, it's been a hard time
0: that. to be a Gambit fan because they've been teasing a Gambit movie for the best part of the last 20 years.
1: Yeah. And they haven't done a good job every time they've tried to introduce him into any of the other X Men movies. No, no,
0: definitely not. I mean, especially if you're talking about, you know, a certain origin movie where
1: he made it, he made like a little cameo. I don't even consider yeah. that, uh, you I, know, always, <laughs> the, the stuff I really always really liked about Gambit, and I think it's, it's, it flows through to like my favorite characters and a lot of other things yep. is that Gambit was, he wasn't all the way on the good side. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was a little bit of a free agent sometimes. I've always had a bit of an obsession for, for some of the, um, the gray Jedi, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, that kind of are a little bit interested in the dark side. They're mostly on the light side, but they're interested in some of the dark side stuff and they can kind of almost like an
0: anti-hero you know and and if you if we had to you know break it down it one could even say it's almost like instead of just being a salesperson or a recruiter you could be somebody who enjoys doing both right which is kind of where you're
1: at yeah and look this this I think this really um feeds into one of my my overall philosophies about life yeah like Everybody is grey. Nobody is good or bad as much as we want to see that in in movies. It's black and white. It's easy to understand. The world is a place of grey and you're only doing good things or doing bad things. You do bad things more than you do good things or the bad things outweigh the bad things. You're probably a bad person. And and it's the other way, right? Everybody has done things that they regret. Everybody has done bad things. Everybody's done good things. You know, it's a world of grey and we have to be able to interact and exist in a world where everything doesn't have to be black and white you know yep. because when we understand that not everything's black and white we can actually understand other people better and give them a break sometimes and not be so fucking hard on each other
0: yeah absolutely. absolutely well
1: i did say one so you know we'll, we'll, we'll slide it yeah.
0: give you two give you two and and uh, you know thank you because With that, you have made this the very first explicit (laughs) episode of of the Huawei podcast. (laughs) Look, Ben, thank you so
1: much.
0: Yeah, perfect. On that note, Ben, thank you so much for your time. I have had an amazing time talking to you today. You've had a lot lot of great insights for us. And, you know, personally, for me as a recruiter, and I know other recruiters and salespeople, there's a lot here that that they can learn and grow from. So thank you very much for the opportunity to speak with you today.
1: Couldn't be happier to be here. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Always keen to spend time with uh, with you and the team. Love what you guys do at Wow Recruitment. Having been a customer, I don't know if I'm allowed to do a. No, you know, please. I'm, no, I'm never going to say
0: no. Please.
1: <laughs> Having been a you know a partner and a customer of, of you guys over the last couple of years. I can honestly say, if you anyone that's hiring sales and marketing positions you guys are the best in the business at, at understanding um at understanding your clients needs in the brief understanding who they're looking for how people will fit culturally and what specific skills they'll need to succeed I don't think I've ever received a, a resume from you guys that I wasn't happy to interview you know like um, it's been an absolute dream working with you guys. And I think anyone that's, that's looking to use a recruiter that needs particularly sales, marketing or, you know, service staff, they'd be crazy not to give you guys a call and have a chat. It's uh, been amazing for me.
0: Oh, you're very kind, Ben. Thank you so much. And I'm sure Emily and Johnny will be very
1: happy that you said that. Um, right. But you know, honestly- like, know already, I, say this, I say this stuff all the time because it's true.
0: <laughs> no, um, thank you so much. That, you know, it's always good to know that the work we're putting in, the feedback from people is is what what matters at the end of the day. I mean, like we're a recruitment company that focuses mainly on our, on, on the people experience. And this is exactly why we do what we do. We, we love to hear whether it's our clients or whether it's our candidates, we love to hear that they're happy with what we're doing. And that's why we do what we do. Ben, thank you so much. And, you know, I hope if time permits in the future, you'll jump back on and for another episode with me. Looking forward to it, my friend. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ben. Talk to you soon, dude. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Wow Way. Please visit our website wowrecruitment.com.au to subscribe to us and to make sure you never miss an episode. If you really enjoyed the episode, please give us a rating on Spotify or on iTunes. Alternatively, please tell a friend about us. That would be doing us a huge favor too. I look forward to joining you here again next month. From all of us here at WoW Recruitment, this is Viv signing off.